Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. That is all that matters that the Lord is still here. And so I, I, I feel like we're getting into a series here. I, I always say that lightly because... Once I say we're in a series, and I'm kind of stuck on that series, and I always want to just, I'm kind of like week to week, what, what is God saying to us? But I really feel that I'm in, we're in a series, and it's called Temples. And I, I, I don't know exactly where God is going to take it. I have, a, I have a couple of ideas over the next couple of weeks of what, what we're going to be talking about. But we're going to get this, this idea from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. And I'm going to go to read chapters, chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. So if you're, you have your Bibles, you could turn there. It says, now it came to pass when the king, King David, was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. So what is David saying? He's saying, man. God has been so good to me. He's done so much in my life. And here I am dwelling in this palace or this kingdom, this beautiful house. And the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of the Lord is dwelling in this tent. And so the prophet tells him, hey, listen, I know what you want to do. What David was saying is he wanted to build the Lord a temple. He wanted to build the Lord a house. And so Nathan says, well, you go and do all that is in your heart. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. So why don't we pray before we get, a, get, get, get into it. Father, we thank you for what you're going to speak to us today. We thank you, Lord, that we're all here together ready to receive your word. Father, I pray, God, that I would not get in the way of what you want to say. Lord, this is not about man. It's not about us, God. It's about you. Father, I pray that every word that I say would be founded on your word, God, and led by your spirit. I thank you for your grace, God. I thank you for the privilege it is to minister your word. We honor you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this was the heart of David. It, it's kind of all summed up in this moment. God has, has done a work around David. He's given him rest. He's given him this, this season where he's finally, he's, he doesn't have to fight. He's in his old age. He's ready to kind of move on into, the, into eternity. And David's heart was this one thing. I want to build God a house. I want to build my God, the one who's given so much to me. I want to give back to the Lord. It was like his dream. There's one thing I want to do. I want to, I want to build a house because I have the resources and I have, I have the authority. And I, and I want to make sure that I take care of the God who took care of me. It was this season of rest. And in that season of rest, David's mind was not on his own selfish desires. It was not on what he wanted, but David's heart and his mind was on the things of God. Now, I know, and we say this all the time, and I know it to be true, that there is kind of a lot going on, right? Like, there's a, there's a few things happening in, in the world today, you know? And I don't know about you, but I found myself saying, God, can we just get a break? Right? Like, it's like, oh, we're, we're sitting down talking about things of the church, and it's like, well, we can't really do that because of COVID. 
right? Like that's like every idea is well because of COVID. And, and it's like, God, can we, can we just have like, and I know that in your own life, because I have it too, there's, there's frustrations and there's things that we're going through that's like, God, I just need a break. I just need some rest, right? Like I need a, I, I just, I just want everything to stop for a little bit. If I could, you're, you know, you, if I can just catch up, right? I just want to catch up on a couple of things. There's some things that I've been dreaming about doing. But, but can I ask you this question that when God gives you that season of rest, because it will come, what will you do with it? When God says, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you what you've been asking for. What are you going to do with that rest? What are you going to do with that season? What will, what will our one dream be when things are back to normal? What's going to be that one thing that we're like, yeah, you know what, God, I want to do this for you? Or do we want rest so that we can go out to eat again and it feels, feels regular? Do we want rest so that we can be around people again and we can get life back to normal? Do we want rest so that we can get the money that we're used to getting? Is that why we're seeking this rest? What will we do when God gives us that season? Can I, can I tell you something? Each one of us is going to be held accountable to how we responded to the Lord in this season. Each one of us is going to be held accountable to the time that we spent and how we used it. Each one of us is going to be held accountable to what God is doing. How are you responding to what's happening around the world? What will we give to the Lord in our season of rest? Our desire in every season especially this one, should be to give back to God. It should be to give back to the Lord what he deserves. And I believe what we should be giving as believers is giving the Spirit of God a dwelling place. King David's one desire was that I, he, would, he would build him a house, a temple, where the Lord can rest in, the Spirit of God can reside in. And today, we have the opportunity to give God this dwelling place within our own lives. <clears throat> we cannot be satisfied with, with just going back to the way it was. It, it, it's, I don't want to go back there. Right? Like, I feel like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, can I be honest with you? Is that cool? Is that all right? I feel like there are some aspects, and I look back on the last season like, God, I could have done better. God, I, I could have done more. I wasted some of that season. But God, I don't want to just go back to the way it was. I want something new. I, I, I want to make sure, even as a church, you know, people, the, a, a lot of the people that are much smarter than I am, the church ministers and the ministries and and. And a lot of people that I follow and try to get some ideas from, all of them are saying, we're never going to have church back to normal. Every one of them. But what they're saying is attendance. We're never going to have the attendance that we used to have. It's just not going to be the same. And that's cool with me, honestly. I'm fine with that. But I never want to go back to a place as, as a church or as the church where we can have church without the Spirit. We can't go back to that place where we, could, we can operate in things without the Lord moving, without the Lord visiting us. And so as a church, our, our heart, and you know this, is that we won't move until he comes. We need the Spirit of God. We want to build a place 
for the Lord to dwell. This is our dream. This is what God, this is what we desire. This is, this is what we feel we're called to do. And David was in this, in this moment where he's like, man, you know what, God? And I can picture it like, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever done something nice for your parents, right? And it's like when you were a kid and it's like you did something cool for them. But like you ever bought, like I remember buying my, now I think about it, getting my parents a gift, but I would get it with their money. And so like, <laughs> you know, was it, was it really that great? I mean, you know, but I, I pictured David like, you know, God, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this dwelling. I'm going I'm to give you what I think you deserve. It's my dream. But God has an interesting response to David. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 17 says, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will ch uh, chasten him, chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever according to all these words and according to all this vision. So Nathan spoke to David. So God's response to David was no. David, I want to build this house, or God, I want to build this house for you. No. You're not going to build the house. Your son's going to build the house, but not you. God says no to David. What I, what I found interesting about this is that Nathan's first response to David was what? Go and do what's in your heart. Nathan, the prophet, assumed that because of David's intentions and David's heart, that God would be okay with what David was doing. And neither one of them asked the Lord because the Lord spoke to Nathan. And he said, wait a minute. I need you to tell David something. I know what you're trying to do, and I, I get it, but that's not my plan for you. That's not what I want for you. There was nothing bad about what David wanted to do. There was nothing wrong with it. The problem was, is it wasn't God's will. There wasn't anything that was sinful about it. There wasn't anything that God was disgusted by. It was simply that it wasn't God's will will. So God said no. And I, and I think, I feel like we've come to realize this over time. God's plans are usually or always better than mine. No matter what I think I've figured out, no matter how much I feel that I've, I've got it and we're good and, and I'm going to make this happen, God's plan is always better than mine. God will always exceed my expectation for my own life. But can I ask you, how do you handle when God says no? God, I really want this job because if I get this job, God, and I get the money, God, I'm going to tithe big, Lord. 
And he's like, dude, you're not even tithing now. But that's a different story. Let's move, let's move on from there. God, I really want this. I know I'm going to use this for your glory, God. I, God, just make me famous, God, because if I'm famous, God, I'll be famous for you. God, give me influence, God, because if I have influence, God, I'll influence others to follow you. But what do you do when God says no? To the very thing that you feel like, if I just did that one thing, then my life would have meaning. If I just accomplished that one thing, then my life would have purpose. What, what will you do when God says no? Because God's no reveals the intention of our heart. Because if God says no, and our first thought is, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Guess what? It was never for the Lord. When God says no, and our first thought is, well, what about my dreams and my plans and my will? Then that reveals that our life was never his, but it belonged to us. His no will reveal our intentions. And how often when he says no, do we try to convince him? Come on, God. Come on, please. Like, like all the time, my kids, all the time. It's like 8.30, bedtime. Dad, can we go outside? What? It's dark outside. They're like, but there's a little bit of sun right there. Like, just a little. Dad, come on, please. No. No, go brush your teeth. You got bedtime. Dad, please, come on. But dad. That's like their face. Oh, just like, don't say that to me. But dad, but dad, please. Come on. I don't want to go. You can go in the morning. No, it's too hot in the morning. Can I please go? No, no. Dad, please. But And it's like, I don't know, a 40-minute fight. Dude, I said no. Stop asking me. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to change my mind, right? And it's kind of ridiculous. And, it, and if I'm honest, it's kind of annoying, right? Like, just, just go to bed. I don't, I don't want to see you anymore. Just please go. Get. But how often are we that child? Come on, God, please. No, that relationship is not good for you. But God, come on. God, please. No, it's not the right time. But God, but God. And we argue with him, trying to convince him to say yes. But could it be that God's will is usually or always better than mine? So what do we do when God says no? Because often God will say no because there's opportunity for a better yes. And so he'll tell us no right there in that moment. And in that moment, we have a decision. Am I going to trust God or am I going to fight him? Am I going to trust him or am I going to fight him? And it's in these, these tug-of-war moments with God that we learn to trust. Okay, God. Okay. You don't want me to get that job. Okay. You don't want me to get that house. Okay. You don't want me to get that car. Okay, you don't want me to get into that relationship. Okay, you don't want me to do those things, God. Okay, you, you don't want me to hang around those friends anymore. Okay, God, whatever you want, because I trust you. And so God's no's 
They reveal our intentions, but they also teach us to trust that he knows what he's doing. That he knows exactly what's going to happen. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was telling me about this story of his church, and they just went through all these different things to, to finally get this wonderful, wonderful miracle that they've been praying for. And he just shared the whole timeline with me. And I told him, like, wouldn't it be awesome if God just showed us, like, the end result? Like, come on, God, like, I know there's a lot. I'll go through all that, but could you at least show me the end of it? Because if I see the end of it, maybe I'll have a little bit more strength to get through. I mean, you know, come on, God. Can, but no, 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 he, 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 he wants to teach us. Trust me. Just trust me. I've got it taken care of. God has a better plan than I do. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. He doesn't think like we think. Ain't that the truth? Nor are my ways, or are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, what a gap, right? <laughs> How much space is that? So are my ways. He's like, you're not, listen, you're not even on my level. You're not, you're not even close. Like, I, I know that you think you know what you're doing, but listen, I don't think like you think because I don't see what you see. I see it all. I see eternity laid out before you. So when I tell you something, understand that I've already seen the end results of it because my ways are not like your ways because I don't see how you see things. I've got a better plan. It wasn't for David to build a temple for God. That was not God's plan, but the plan was for God to build David a house. Or a legacy. This was the plan of God, was to establish an eternal kingdom for David. An eternal kingdom through the life of David. God was thinking bigger than David was. God had greater plans for David. But why did God choose David? And we're going to, trust me, this is, this is temples. We're going to get to it, all right? Maybe like, what are we talking about here? We're talking, just trust me. Why did God choose David? Because David was known as a man after God's own heart. It was David's intention in life to only please God. That was what he lived for. God, I just want to please you. Lord, I just want to make you proud. God, I just want to make sure that I'm me, you and I, we're good. This was David's life. That everything he did was to please God. David was more concerned about building the kingdom of God than building his own kingdom. David was one who would seek God first. Who do you seek first? What do you seek first? Because if we're honest, God is our God on Sunday. But when Monday rolls around, I seek what I want first. And then once I get what I want and I've taken care of what I need, then I'll fit him into my schedule somewhere. 
See, my life, I got to make sure that, that I do what I feel like I need to do, and then when I do it, then I'll involve God in it. What do you seek first? Because God's favor is not on everybody. I'm going to say it one more time. God's favor is not on everybody. God doesn't have favorites. I'm not going to get into that, but what I do know is he removed Saul and gave the kingdom to David. God's favor is not on everybody. God's favor is on those who seek him first. The one who puts God above everything else, that is the one who receives his favor. You know, my prayer is not often for money, and my prayer is not often for things. My prayer is often because I fall short many times. God, teach me how to put you first. God, teach me how to make sure that my life is only lived for your glory. Because I'll be honest, I fail miserably sometimes. Can anybody relate with me on that one? Right? Like, dang it. I didn't do it right. Dang it. Today, this week was wasted. I wasted a week. I wasted a day. I got to get into my prayer closet. I got to pray, Lord, I'm really bad at this. God, I, I can't, I, like, sometimes I'll say, Lord, help me. Do I, I've just come to the point, God, I can't do this without you. Like, I, I can't. I can't continue to try. I can't continue to, I, if, if, God, if, if, if I need to put you first, then you've got to show me how, and you've got to give me the strength to do it, because, God, I can't do it by myself, because I'm a selfish human being, that if we're honest, we only want what's best for me, and I only want to seek what I want, but, God, teach me how to seek you first. Because, God, I don't care about the favor of man. God, I need your favor. And the only way that I can get the favor of God is if I seek him first. If he becomes everything to me. Everything. If God asked you, I'm going I'm I'm to hit a nerve right here, all right? We're going to do this. If God asks you right now, he says, I want you to take all the cash you have in your bank and give it, would you do it? <laughs> I'm like, online, would you do it? Uh, you don't really need to answer that. And I, I'm not saying that God is saying that. But what I'm saying is that question reveals a lot. If God asked you right now, I need you to quit that job and trust me, would you do it? It's hard. I'm, and look, it, don't, I'm, there's going to be like a clip. This, this pastor is telling everybody to quit their job. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. Keep your job unless God is blatantly telling you to quit, all right? But what I'm saying is these are questions we ask ourselves because we wrestle with these things Because they've become priority over the Lord. And so when God asks us to do something hard, we don't want to do it because we don't really trust that he'll take care of us. 
We don't really trust that if we're in his will, he's going to handle everything that we need handled. God takes care of those who seek him first. I've, and I've said, I've mentioned this before, but I have never, ever been without from the things that we need as a family. Not because I'm great with money, not because I have a lot of money, not because I'm super smart, but it's because we as a family have learned to put God first. When God asks me to do something with money, I do it instantly because it's not mine. When God asks me to go, my wife and I, when he asks us to go somewhere, we go instantly. Why? Because my life doesn't belong to me. I seek him first. And because I seek him first, he takes care of what I need. He's a good God. He's a good God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, we're going to read down to 33. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Man, one quote right there. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? I wish, because then I'd be a little bit taller. That'd be nice. So why do you worry about clothing? <laughs> Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, to, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more... Clothe you, O you of little faith. Therefore, God's got you. He's taking care of you. Have faith. Therefore, do not worry. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto your life. Everything that you need. Everything that you're worried about. All the things that stress you out at night. And the reasons you can't sleep. And the bills you can't pay. And the relationships you can't fix. And all that's going on in your life. He's saying don't worry about these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things that you're worried about. Will be added into your life. Seek first the kingdom. I've got to calm down a little bit. Seek first the kingdom. The kingdom. What does that mean? It means we live for eternity, not for today. It means my life is lived out knowing that my greatest reward is not found on earth, but it's found in heaven. I'm going to need another one of these, please. And babe, if you want to come up, I'm closing here. 
See, David, the promise that God gave David was this. I'm going to build you a legacy. I'm going to build you a lasting kingdom that cannot be overcome. But David did not see, thank you, Isaiah. David did not see that kingdom on the earth. The reward that God was giving to David was revealed after David was entering into his final resting place for eternity. See, we don't build for today, but we start today. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not building my life just so that I can get old and my kids could have a lot of money and that's it. I'm building my life and praying and, and doing my best that I would make an impact in eternity. That when I get to, the, to, to, to heaven and when I see him face to face, that he would tell me, well done. I was reading the letters of Paul, and, and he wrote, the, you ever read the Bible, you're just like, man, they write this so beautifully, the words they use, and it's so poetic. He's speaking to Timothy, and he tells him, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And as I was reading that, and you, you that know me, I know I don't, I don't cry a lot, and I'm by myself, thank God I was by myself. And I just begin to, to tear up, which is weird for me. I don't I just start, I'm like, what is this? And I thought, how beautiful is that going to be? When I'm in my old age and towards the end of my life, when I'm entering into the resting place and I can tell my children, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I did what I needed to do for the kingdom. See, I might not build for today, but I start today. We need a revival, but revival starts in the home. Fathers and mothers, it is our job to disciple and start revivals within our house. A healthy nation is only possible by a healthy church. And a healthy church is only built by healthy homes. I might not be building for today, but I can start today. I start today with this. It's this seeking of the kingdom first. So I can give God my dreams. I can give God my desires. Because I know I know that he has something better for me. You know, my, my dream was, and I never really pursued this because honestly, I, when I was young, I, I just, I gave my life to the Lord and I said, God, my life is yours, whatever you want me to do. I think I was about, I was about 15, 16 when I really, you know, I was in church my whole life, but I was not a Christian. And my dream was, my dream really was I, I, I played the drums for years. That's like, I, I, I wish I could play right, like, in our church, but I play the bass. Justin booted me off the drums. 
But that was my dream. I was like, God, I, I want to be a studio musician. I want to go and I want to, I don't, I want to record. I didn't want to be in a band. I wanted to be just in the studio and working on. That was what I wanted to do. But when I gave my life to the Lord, it changed to God, whatever you want for me. Whatever you want for me. And you know what God does? He exceeds our expectations. I never would receive what God has given me if I pursued what I wanted. See, David wanted to build God a house. But God wanted to build David a legacy. So what does God do? God uses the seed of David to give him the immediate blessing of the house. But God used the legacy of David to give him the eternal blessing of the kingdom. He exceeded David's expectations. Solomon wasn't the king that Nathan was referring to in 2 Samuel. It's, he goes kind of back and forth. But Solomon wasn't the king that he was referring to when he says in verse four, in 7 verse 14, I will be his father and he shall be my son. He was not talking about Solomon. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5, For which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today, today I have begotten you, and, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. What is Hebrews talking about? Hebrews is talking about Jesus. 2 Samuel 7 verse 14 was the prophet speaking what God was doing that they could not see. That out of the legacy of David would be birthed the eternal kingdom of God through who? The son, Jesus. God was thinking bigger than David. God had a better plan. And I'm almost, this is my last point. I promise this is my last point. This is blessing you today. God had a better plan. 2 Samuel 7 verse 8 through 11. I love this moment. <clears throat> now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. I like what God is doing with David. Is he's reminding him, hey, remember when I took you from the sheepfold? Remember when I took you out of that place and I brought you into a better place? Remember what I've done, how I've, say, I've, I've helped you conquer all of your enemies? I've always exceeded your own expectations. Ephesians 3.21, uh, excuse me, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. 
To him be the glory of the church, by the church, Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is what scripture is saying, that God exceeds our expectations. Now, why are we talking about temples? Because the vision of David was that God would dwell in a temple made by human hands. But the plan of God is that he would dwell in, in temples created by God, which is us. David had this plan to kind of say, okay, God, I'm, you're going to rest here. But God had a plan greater than David that he would rest in us. And, and I got one more scripture right here. Acts 47, or Acts 7, uh, 47 and 48. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And the Spirit of God dwells in you. God's like, I can't be restricted to buildings built by men. He wants to dwell in you. The fullness of God can dwell in you. I hope that I never, as a pastor, ever make you feel that I, I can get more of God than you can. I hope I never make anybody feel like that because my prayer is that you would see that the fullness of God can dwell in your life because this is God exceeding the plans of David's expectations is that I cannot dwell in a place built by human hands. I dwell in my creation. See, we, have may, have been, we, we may have been conceived by humans, but we were created by God. And when God created you, he created you with a plan and a purpose and a destiny. But all that is fulfilled when we understand that I'm a temple and he dwells in me. So we learn from David. We seek God first. We take his nose and we trust him and we understand that I'm the temple. I'm that plan that God had when he spoke to David that the eternal kingdom of God will dwell in me. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.